Good morning and welcome to Opinion Hills Community Church Online. My name is Matt Mizell and it's great to have you here with us today. Four things as we get started. Number one, we are multi-streaming. So just know that if this stream happens to go down, there's multiple other platforms that you can jump onto instead. We've got Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, and phcc.church slash live. Our redundancy ministry of redundancy is making sure that we got all our bases covered today. So if your stream happens to go down, just know that you can jump on another stream and still engage in today's sermon. So we are multi Multi-streaming. Number two, I want to encourage you, follow us. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever social media platform that you have. I would encourage you to follow us or like our page. And the reason why is not just so we get more followers and more likes. It's so that you get push notifications for when we go live, when we submit announcements, when we share things. So I would encourage you to follow us. Number three, I would encourage you to follow along with today's sermon notes. You can follow along with the sermon for today by downloading a PDF at phcc.church slash resources, or you can follow along in the version app as well. And number four, I would encourage you share today's message. Let's help the message of God's hope and love and comfort go viral at a time that our world desperately needs God's hope and love and comfort. Now, speaking of going viral, this last Thursday, we had a TikTok staff challenge where I invited all the staff to submit different videos. And the winning staff member that has the most likes on Facebook for their particular video would not only win a gift card prize, but would also get their video featured right here right now on our live stream services for Pinion Hills Community Church. So with no further ado, I present to you our hospitality manager from the Canyon Cafe, the person on staff that has the most views or the most likes on their TikTok video. This is Anna Danielle's video. Check it out. Now, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of other great staff submissions for the TikTok challenge as well. I would encourage you go back and watch them all on Facebook. I would just tell you, don't watch Clarence's video. I'm just telling you now, don't watch Clarence's video. If you happen to watch it or if you've already seen it, you know why. Don't watch Clarence's video. But aside from that, you can go back and watch all the other staff contributions. They're all on Facebook as well. Now that the staff has gone through the TikTok challenge, we as a staff challenge you as the congregation to the same challenge, the TikTok challenge. So in the next week, I would encourage you go on to TikTok, download the app on your phone if you don't already have it and make a TikTok video. You can make whatever TikTok video that you want and hashtag it PHCC TikTok challenge. And we're going to be giving out weekly shout outs and prizes to people that that have creative TikTok videos. So now you're called out and you are challenged. Join our TikTok challenge. Again, the hashtag is PHCC TikTok challenge, and we want to see what you've got. Now, that being said, today we're continuing on in our series called This Too Shall Pass. And it reminds me of a time that I went to go work for Disney Cruise Line back in 2004. I remember when I went through the whole interview process, it was a nine-month process to interview. Finally, they hired me for Disney Cruise Line. So I flew from Albuquerque all the way over to Orlando. And I got to Orlando and I started doing the shoreside training for the cruise line to get prepared to go on the cruise. I went through all the training and eventually I took a shuttle from Orlando over to Port Canaveral, which is where I boarded the Disney Wonder, which would be my my home aboard this 918 foot long ship for five months. I remember I rolled my suitcase onto the onto the deck of the ship and I looked around those magnificent, huge ship. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't believe I get to work here. I can't believe this is going to be my home. I rolled my suitcase, my one suitcase that I was allowed to bring. They limit you to one suitcase. So I brought my one suitcase and I rolled it into my stateroom. And as I opened up the stateroom, I thought it was going 
going to be this beautiful, luxurious stateroom. I mean, it's it's living on a cruise ship, right? It's luxury, right? I thought maybe I'm going to get lucky and I'm going to have a, a window where it overlooks the ocean. Maybe, maybe it'll be even better than a window. Maybe I'll have a sliding glass door where I can open up a door and walk out onto the veranda and have the ocean breezes and smells before work every day. I was thinking maybe it's going to be beautiful, luxurious like that, right? So I open up the door to my stateroom. And it's not that at all. My stateroom was about the size of a walk-in closet, a small walk-in closet. There was no window. There was no uh, sliding glass door to a veranda or a terrace or anything like that. No balcony. In fact, there wasn't even a porthole. I was in deck B, which apparently stands for below the sea level, below the waterline. If there was a porthole, I'd be looking at fishies and sharks outside because I was beneath the waterline. But there was no porthole, no window, no terrace, none of that. It was a small little tiny room. And I remember looking at the room thinking, wow, this is not what I expected, but it'll be okay. It's going to be all good, right? Uh, There is two double bunk beds, one bunk bed up on the top and one on the bottom. And so I had to share a room, this tiny little closet, walk-in closet of a room. I had to share it with somebody else. I opened up the bathroom in the stateroom and I looked in the bathroom and the toilet looked like a toilet that like a doll would sit on, a tiny little toilet, like the size of a footstool. And I remember looking at that toilet. I'm like, well, that's different than what I would, would have expected, but it's okay. It's all good. It's fine, right? I look in the bathroom and I look in the shower and there's a shower, tiny little shower. It's in the corner. And then there was a shower curtain making it into a triangle. And by the time I eventually got into the shower and tried it out, I mean, my shoulders literally touched both walls and then the shower curtain was right behind me. It was really, really tight. And I remember thinking about the shower. Wow, this is not what I expected, but it's fine. It's all good. It's going to be okay. I remember after I left my stateroom for the first time, I was like, I want to go check out the crew eating quarters, the crew mess hall. So I went to where the the mess hall was. And in my mind, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. There's going to be like a buffet of crab legs and a buffet of lobster tails and filet mignon over here. And maybe if I'm lucky, maybe they're going to have a buffet of Oreos, international Oreos, all the Oreos that don't even sell in the United States. There's 31 flavors of Oreos. Maybe they're having having an international buffet of all the Oreos. And I go into the crew mess hall and it wasn't any of those things. They had mounds of white rice and mystery meat that you could put on the white rice. And it wasn't at all what was available on the, on the guest side. The crew side, the crew mess hall was way different. In my mind, I had these expectations, but when I actually saw it, I was like, well, this is different than what I thought, but it'll be okay. It'll be all right. I remember leaving the mess hall and going up to deck 11. And we were about to set sail for the ship. And this is the first time I was going to be leaving land and setting sail on the first day that I was working on board the ship. And we set sail, we took off, and the ship starts taking off down the coast of Florida. And we passed West Palm Beach going south towards the Bahamas and past past Fort Lauderdale and past Miami. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm finally here. This is amazing. I pulled out my cell phone because I wanted to call some friends and family and wish them farewell. So I called up the first number and I tried to dial, but we were so far away from the cell phone towers, the phone couldn't couldn't even go through. It couldn't even connect. And I was like, wow, my communication with people back home is going to be a little bit different. This is not what I expected, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right, right? I remember that night as we sailed past the southern tip of Florida, there was uh, oceanic currents from the Gulf of Mexico that merged together with the oceanic currents from the Atlantic Ocean. And where they merged together on the southern tip between Florida and the Bahamas, where those currents merge together, creates large waves. Even when there's no storm, even when there's no wind, the oceanic currents create the waves. And even though this ship is 918 feet long, it gets tossed around and gets tossed this way and that way on the open ocean like a little toy in a bathtub. And at this point, as I was getting tossed around on my first night, I remember feeling motion sickness. 
And I remember feeling sick to my stomach, wondering at any point, I'm gonna throw up. In fact, I got into my stateroom and I laid down and I remember looking up at the ceiling thinking, what have I got myself into? I can handle all the other stuff. I can handle small quarters, small bathrooms, small toilets, small, small shower. I can handle the food. I can handle the fact that I don't have cell phone service. But if I feel sick all the time, if I feel nauseous all the time, I don't know if I can handle that. That is not okay. It is not all good. That night I went to sleep thinking I've made a horrible mistake. I'm stuck here for five months and everything is not okay and everything's not fine. And it makes me wonder how many of you are feeling the same thing that I felt from back in 2004 right now in the middle of a pandemic with the coronavirus. Perhaps at first you felt as though, well, this is not what I expected, but it's okay, it's gonna be all right, and this is not what I expected, but it's gonna be okay, and it's gonna be all right, and this isn't what I expected, but it's gonna be okay, and it's gonna be all right, but then you lost your job, and then you lost your income, and then the oil and gas industry tanked, and, and things started to spiral out of control, and at one point, perhaps you've already said, I don't know if I am okay. I don't know if I am gonna get through this. This is a lot different than what I thought, and I've tried to be optimistic, and I've tried to be okay in this, but I don't know if I'm going to be okay, and perhaps you've vented that. Perhaps you've shared that with other people, and perhaps somebody has said to you so far, it's okay because this too shall pass. And while it will pass, COVID-19 won't be here forever and the coronavirus won't be around forever. Eventually, there will likely become a vaccine that becomes available. The stock market will, will come back from when it's been tumbling around. The oil and gas industry will return again. All these things that we're going through right now will get past the majority of all of them. It's not going to be around forever. And while it will pass, it's important to understand that God never said that phrase. God never said those four words in scripture of this too shall pass. In fact, nobody else in the Bible ever did either. And the reason why that's relevant is because God is referred to in the Bible as the God of all comfort. Look at what God says through Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Paul refers to God as the God of all comfort. And if God is the God of all comfort, which he is because scripture says he is, and he never said, this too shall pass, then what did he say? How does God, the God of all comfort, intend to comfort his people? Now, last week, we looked at these verses and we stopped halfway in verse four, where it says, God, the God of all comfort, comforts us in our troubles. But let's continue on past that, where it says, so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Paul is saying this. He says, we can give praise to God, the God of all comfort, because of two reasons. Number one, because he gives us comfort, gives you and I comfort. And number two, he gives comfort to others through us. Now, let me brag on some of you for a moment. Last week, I challenged you and I said, hey, don't sit on the sidelines. You don't want to get years down the road and then look back at this pandemic and think, well, I could have done something, but I didn't. I didn't do anything in this pandemic. So I encouraged you last week, take action. Try to provide comfort to other people during the middle of this storm, as opposed to sitting back and doing nothing. And many of you did that. There's a lot of people that are giving encouragement. There's a lot of people that are helping others during this time. But I specifically gave the challenge, will you choose to donate a box of food to other people who are in need? Comfort them by donating a box of food. When I stated that challenge last week, I had no idea of what to expect. What I was hoping for is that we would have at least 100 boxes of food to give away during our Boxes of Love campaign. I was hoping for a hundred, but I'll be honest with you, what I was praying for 
was double that number. I was praying for 200. I was hoping maybe we'll get 200 boxes of love that we can give to people who are hungry in our area right around this time. So I gave the challenge out last week and at the end of the nine o'clock service, after the first live stream service, we already had over 200 boxes of love already donated. In fact, after the 1030 service, after our second service, we had doubled that number. We had over 400 boxes of love already donated. By that night, we had over 800 boxes donated. By the next morning, over a thousand boxes donated. And by the end of the week, we had over 1500 boxes of love donated because of generous people like many of you watching right now. Thank you. Thank you for providing. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for providing comfort to other people during their time of need. That was over $30,000 that we raised in less than one week to provide comfort to others during the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. Again, thank you so much. Having received over 1,500 boxes, we were like, well, what if there's not 1,500 people to show up? What if there's not that many people that need the food? So we decided as a staff, let's make sure that we're not throwing away food and wasting food. Let's start off with a smaller number and figure out what we learn along the way. So we decided let's start off with 400. And if there's less than that, that's okay. We'll, we'll allow to continue to provide boxes of food for weeks or months to come. But if there's more than 400, we'll learn from that as well. So this last Friday, we started off with 400 boxes packed full of food so we could give them away. And the response was enormous. We had a videographer on site and we know that many of you couldn't come because we couldn't have just all the volunteers in the world show up. So we wanted to share with you a video recap of what we saw with our Boxes of Love campaign this last Friday. Check out this video. So today we have 400 plus boxes that we're gonna be handing out to our community, community-wide. It's a special opportunity to hand out free food and to feed our community. We have the resources, so we wanna bless them. We have the idea, um, hey, we've got distribution through Canyon Cafe, we can get this stuff in bulk. And so we ordered just some staples so people can make a, a few meals at their home this week. Got it all ordered, boxed it up, and we've got some awesome staff and volunteers here just wanting to get it out and, and address the, uh, the need of, of fulfilling people's hunger. There's gonna be a lot of people, I know. I mean, we have people the Pastor Matt said we had 10 people coming this morning and turn around even before we started. So I think, I think it's going to be a good turnout. You don't have anybody to support you. I mean, there's nothing, you don't have anything. I mean. You know, I think beyond meeting just the, the need of getting food into people's homes, uh, we want to kind of create an environment where there, there's a little more positive energy going on. We want to just be a blessing to people in the fact that we've got music going, we have volunteers greeting people. Uh, it's a very personal experience, even though we're all keeping our distance. And um, just let people know it, it's okay to be a need in a situation like this. as a church is to better the community. It's not just the building, but it's outside of the building. The church goes out into the world 
and makes disciples. And so this is part of being the hands of Jesus. I hope we can bring somebody to Christ doing this. You know, it's, this is an awesome time to do that. Friends, we had people showing up over three hours before we even started. And when that line started, I started going up to people and talking to them in their vehicles and just trying to hang out with them and share some love and encouragement and pray for them. And there's one woman that I walked up to in her car and she rolled her window down and I said, hey, thank you for being here. She burst into tears and she said, no, thank you. Thank you for the box. Thank you for the food that we're about to get. Thank you for doing what you're doing in this community. And I told her, I said, you know, it's not all me. There's hundreds of people in our community that have helped make this a reality and they're giving selflessly to make these boxes of food a reality. So I told her, I'll share with the rest of them. I'll share your gratitude and your thankfulness with all of them. So on behalf of that woman who thanked me, thank you. Thank you to those of you who are so generous and so helpful. You know, look at what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 42. Jesus says, if anybody gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will, will certainly not lose lose their reward. Now, I love this verse. I love this verse. I've quoted this verse. I've taught on this verse. I'm going to keep preaching this verse to the day I die. If you give a cup of cold water to somebody in Jesus' name, you've done it for Jesus. And many of you have given out literal cups of water. We gave out cups of water and Pepsi and Chick-fil-A sandwiches, and we gave out boxes of food. And even if you didn't come and serve, even if you weren't there on site, many of you, hundreds of you made donations to make it possible. And you have helped provide comfort during this time. But I especially like this verse. Let me read this to you again. Jesus says, if anybody gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, you will not lose your reward. Let me tell you another inspiring story. There was a story I heard just this last week of a single mom in our area, a single mother who bought four boxes and donated four boxes of food to other people on a single income. So I happened to have a conversation with her and I said, hey, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for buying four boxes to give away. And she said, Matt, I can't take credit for all four boxes. I bought two, but my two daughters bought the other two. They broke open their piggy banks and counted out their pennies and their dimes and their nickels to pay for the $20 each to buy a box to give to somebody else. Friends, that is inspiring. That is motivating. How selfless. Jesus says, if anybody gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, they won't lose their reward. But what about the little ones that are giving to other little ones? That is so inspiring and it just gives me the chills to know that we have such a loving and generous and selfless community. To you two girls who are watching right now, thank you. Thank you for cracking open your piggy banks and thank you for your generosity and thank you for being selfless and taking what God has given to you and, and being generous with other people. And it's not just the two little girls. There's many other people, hundreds of other people in our community who have been so selfless during this time, so generous. Many of you have bought more than one box. You've bought a hundred boxes. There's people who've been so generous. Yet at the same time, I asked you last week, don't take your tithes and offerings and put it all towards the, the boxes of love. Because if all of our tithes get shifted over to the boxes, we'll have a lot of food to give away, but then our tithe is going to dry up and our church will disappear. 
But many of you did that. You've honored that. You not only gave generously to the boxes of love, you continued giving in your tithe. In fact, our tithe was last week above what we needed for our week. Many of you are incredibly generous. And I just want to tell you, thank you so much for making it possible. Now, that's the positive things. Here's how I'm discouraged from our boxes of love campaign. We have over 200 cars that we had to turn away because there were so many people that showed up for a box of food. Now we learned a lot during our campaign this last Friday, but we decided we're going to do it again. We already have these donations that have already come in. So again, thank you for making our donations this coming Friday possible. This Friday, same place, same time, May 1st from 12 to 2 at Pinion Hills Community Church, 5101 North Dustin. We're going to give out more boxes. In fact, we're going to give out at least double what we gave out last Friday. This Friday on May 1st, we're going to give out over 800 boxes of food because of your generosity and your contributions. Now, if you happen to be somebody who has access to pallets of food, bulk food, we still don't want to have people just drop off food from their pantries, from their, you know, from their own houses, because we don't want to have infected food from homes that might have COVID-19. But if you happen to have access to a restaurant distribution warehouse or a grocery store or other places that have access to large uh, quantities of food, bulk food, we could take donations to include in those boxes. So if you happen to be a manager or somebody that works for a grocery store or a food provider of some sort, we'd love to have you reach out. We also have a shortage of boxes right now. So if you have any sort of resource with boxes, bulk boxes, we could use that help as well. So if you happen to have bulk access to either of those things, groceries, food, canned food items, boxes, send an email to dmorehouse at phcc.church. That's Darren Morehouse. He's our executive pastor at Pinion Hills. dmorehouse at phcc.church. Send him an email if you have access to bulk items. And if you don't have access to bulk items, that's okay because you can still help out with this upcoming coming boxes of love by going to phcc.church slash boxes of love. Now, if you've already made a donation, perhaps you can make another donation. Perhaps you could buy another box so we can continue feeding people who are in a desperate need right now. Uh, you can buy one box. You can buy 20 boxes. You can buy 100 boxes. You can buy 1,000 boxes if you want to. Would you consider continuing to lean in and provide comfort during a time when our, our culture and our society desperately needs comfort? Friends, we can give praise to God because of two reasons. Number one, he provides us with comfort. And number two, he provides comfort to others through us, through our actions. Will you choose to continue to be somebody who provides comfort to other people during this time? Now, that being said, we have an enemy out there that does not want you to be comforted. We have an enemy that does not want you to comfort other people in God's name. Our enemy out there does not want us to experience the closeness and the intimacy with God the Father. He doesn't want us to have a relationship with God, and he will do everything he possibly can to keep you away from having a relationship with God and being comforted by God during this time. President Trump over the last couple of weeks and couple of months has continued to refer to our invisible enemy with coronavirus, COVID-19. He has said he is a wartime president because we're fighting a war against an invisible enemy. Now that is true. We are fighting a war against an invisible enemy, but we've been fighting against an invisible enemy for a long, long time, well before COVID-19 ever showed up. Look at what Paul says about our, our enemy, Satan, our adversary in Ephesians 6, 12. He says, for our strength, struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What Paul is describing is our invisible enemy, Satan. He is our adversary, and he does not want you to be close to God. 
So while we fight the war against the invisible enemy of coronavirus, how do we do that? Well, we wash our hands. We don't touch our nose or our mouth or our eyes. We don't lick playground equipment. I mean, we have social distancing. We don't inject ourselves with Lysol products. That's not the smartest thing to do. Don't drink bleach or anything. You can fight against this coronavirus as our invisible enemy. So there are tactics to fight the war against the invisible enemy of COVID-19, but there's also ways to fight against the invisible enemy of our adversary and Satan and the spiritual forces of evil. So how do we fight against that invisible enemy? Well, thankfully, Paul talks about that in Ephesians 6. Look, look at it with me. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We need to put on the armor of God so we can take our stand against the enemy tactics of the invisible enemy. So what is the full armor of God? What does that look like? He explains it further in Ephesians 6, verse 13. Paul writes, he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. He's saying we need to be able to stand firmly when the enemy comes to attack us. When our invisible enemy comes to attack us, we've got to be ready to go, ready to fight and defend ourselves against him. He continues on in verse 14. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, what is the belt of truth? What is Paul referring to? Well, back in ancient days, soldiers would prepare for battle by putting on a belt and the belt would come up high enough to protect some of the vital organs. But in addition to that, it would also also have a sheath that the sword could go into. So the, uh, the soldier would have quick access to the sword to be able to fight against the enemy. So Paul is describing and he's using the metaphor, put on the belt of truth, have truth easily accessible, ready to go because the enemy is going to try to lie to you and deceive you. Look at how John describes the enemy in scripture. John 8, 44, describing Satan, he says, when he lies, he, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Our invisible enemy is the father of lies. He's not going to speak truth to you. He's going to try to deceive you and try to lie to you. So put on the belt of truth to fight against the lies from our invisible enemy. So then Paul continues on talking about the armor of God, verse 14 in Ephesians 6. He says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, what does the breastplate of righteousness mean? What is that talking about? Again, soldiers would put on a breastplate, a breastplate. And what would that do? What would that armor do? It would mainly protect the lungs and especially the heart. Paul is making the point. You've got to protect your heart. The enemy wants to come after you. He wants to attack you where it hurts. He wants to attack your heart through the words, through the actions of other people. It wounds us and it hurts our hearts, but we've got to protect our hearts. Look at what Solomon says in Proverbs 4.23. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Both Solomon and Paul are making the point. You've got to protect your heart, but don't just protect your heart. Friends, protect the hearts of the people around you your spouse's heart, your kids' hearts. Use your words to build up instead of tear down. Use your words not to hurt them or harm them, but to, to help motivate them and inspire them to love them. Help guard the hearts of other people as well. The breastplate of righteousness will help protect our hearts and help us be conscientious of other people's hearts as well. Paul continues on talking about the armor of God in Ephesians 6.15 when he says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel 
of peace. Now, what is the gospel of peace? Well, the term gospel literally means good news. And friends, there's quite a bit of good news that's available out right now. There's a lot of bad news as well. We can focus on all the bad news or we can focus on the good news. There's good things that are taking place even in the middle of this storm, even in the middle of the pandemic, there's good things. For example, the hundred doctors that were sent from the city of San Francisco to the Navajo Nation. We can focus on the negative and the bad. And some people will be like, well, I don't want, I don't want anybody from California and I don't want anybody from San Francisco. I don't want those people coming to our area in the 505. I don't want them to come to, to New Mexico. We can focus on bad or negativity, or we can say, you know what? We're grateful that California, that San Francisco's government cares about our Navajo nation enough to send 100 doctors. That's good news. Praise God for the people who made the decision to send doctors out here to the Navajo nation. Thank you to whoever you are that made that call. That is good news. You know what else is good news? That little farmer out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas that had an extra respirator. He had five respirators. He has four people in his home, home in Kansas and he's got one leftover respirator. So he mailed it off to Governor Cuomo in New York City and said, hey, I hope this can help a doctor or a nurse or a surgeon out there. I know it's just one little small respirator, but maybe it can help. That is good news. There's plenty of good stories to go around. There's a lot of bad, but there's also a lot of good. And we could focus on bad or we can choose to focus on good. And what Paul is saying is be quick to share the good news, the good news of peace. Now, there's no greater news than the good news of the gospel that we see with Jesus Christ. The fact that God sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life with God because of what Jesus did. Friends, that's not just good news. That's great news. And we can be quick to share that during this time. Look what it says in 1 Peter 3, 15. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared to share good news with somebody else? Are you prepared to share the good news of what God has done for us, the comfort that God gives to us, the peace that God gives to us, the hope, the joy, the forgiveness, the grace? Are you ready to share that? We are being challenged by Paul to be ready and quick to be able to share the good news and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you ready to share that? Paul continues on for the armor of God in Ephesians 6.16. He says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith was the most important defensive piece of armor that a soldier would have. Why? Because the shield could be moved around to block the arrows, the rocks, the sticks, all the things that the enemy would throw at the soldier. The shield could be able to block all of those things. So how do you strengthen your shield of faith? How do you build that up? How do you make it stronger? Well, look at what it says in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. How do you strengthen your shield of faith? You do what you're doing right now. You connect with God. You connect with his word. You connect on a Sunday morning. But friends, it's not enough to strengthen your shield only on Christmas or on Easter. It's not enough to strengthen your shield by going to church maybe once every other month or even once a month. The average person that goes to church goes or listens online right now once out of every three weeks. Friends, that's not enough. To be honest with you, it's not even enough to strengthen your shield of faith by going once a week to church. Now, am I implying that you need to go to church Monday through Sunday every day of the week? Am I encouraging that? No, but what I am saying is that you can't rely on me to build your shield of faith. 
You've got to dig into God's word yourself. You've got to, to have a hunger and a thirst for God's word to strengthen your faith throughout the week. Even just once a week is not enough. If you want to be able to fend off all the attacks from the enemy, you've got to dig into God's word yourself. Don't rely just on one hour on Sunday. Dive in, read his word, dig into his word, memorize his word. You've got to keep coming back and it will increase your faith. It will increase the strength of your shield of faith so you're going to fight off the attacks of the invisible enemy. Paul continues on Ephesians 6, 17. He says, take the helmet of salvation. Now, what does a helmet protect? The helmet you put on your head and it protects your head. It protects your mind. Just like we protect our heart, we also have to protect our mind against the lies and the deceit from our invisible enemy. Second Corinthians 10, 5 says this, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Our worry, our concern, our, our anxiety, our anxious thoughts, we can allow those thoughts to rule us or we can say, you know what, we trust in God even in the middle of all this. We can take those nervous, anxious, worried thoughts captive and say, I choose to trust in you, God. Put on the helmet of salvation. Paul continues on in the rest of verse 17. He says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Everything else we've talked about so far is defensive, but now Paul shifts over and he says, you have two offensive weapons. Number one, it's the word of God. Look at how the word of God is, is described in Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It is a great weapon that we have to fight against the attacks of the enemy. We can use the sword of the spirit, the word of God, as an offensive weapon to fight against our invisible enemy. But then Paul talks about in verse 18, the second offensive tool that we have to fight against the enemy. He says this, he says, and pray. Use the sword of the spirit, use the word of God. But then in verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the God's people. Pray in the spirit when on all occasions and pray what all prayers of all types and all requests and pray for whom for all the Lord's people. Friends, the God of comfort not only wants to provide comfort to you, but also to others through you. And we can listen to God and allow him to use us or we can listen to our invisible enemy. And my question for you today is this, who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to God, the God of all comfort, or you're going to listen to the invisible enemy who is the father of lies. Who are you going to listen to? Listen to the words of this song. When you speak, confusion fades. Just a word And suddenly I'm not afraid Cause you speak And freedom reigns There is hope And every single word you say I don't wanna miss one word you speak Everything you say is life to me I don't want to miss one word you speak So quiet my heart, I'm listening 
When sorrows roar and troubles rage, you whisper peace. When I don't have the words to say, I won't lose hope. When storms won't break, you keep your word. Oh, your promises will keep me safe. One word you speak No Cause everything you say Is life to me I don't wanna miss One word you speak So quiet my heart I'm listening Jesus, you see what I cannot see. Your ways are higher. You know just what I need. I trust you, Jesus. You see what I cannot see. I don't want to miss one word to speak. Everything you say is life to me. I don't want to miss one word you speak. Just quiet my heart, I'm listening. I don't want to miss one word you speak. No, no. Cause everything you say is life to me. Just be so quiet, my heart. I'm listening, listening, and I don't want to miss one word you speak. Cause everything you say is life to me. I don't want to miss one word you speak. No, no. So quiet my heart, I'm listening. How do we listen to God, friends? We listen to God by choosing to trust him and obey him, to be obedient to what he says. In Ephesians 6, he says, you gotta prepare for battle against the invisible enemy. You've gotta put on the armor of God. You gotta put on the, the belt of truth to fight against the lies and the deception from the invisible enemy. The belt of truth allows you to have quick access draw to the sword of the spirit. You gotta have the breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart. You gotta be ready to share the good news and the message 
message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You got to be ready to pick up your shield and strengthen your shield on a daily basis. The shield which protects you against attacks from the enemy. You got to be ready to put your helmet of salvation on to protect your mind and, and your thoughts and take those thoughts captive. And when you do that, you got to be ready to go with the sword of the spirit, God's word, to fight against all the lies and the deceit of the enemy, to fight with God's word. And when you've prepared, when you've put all the armor of God on, when you're ready to go, you drop down and you hit your knees and you pray on all occasions, all sorts of requests for all of God's people. Friend, the challenge that I have for you this week is to mount up, to put on the armor of God because we are fighting a war right now. It's not just the us versus the coronavirus. It's also us against these spiritual forces of evil. And while we're quarantining, we're taking some of these things, whether you agree with the quarantine or not, while we're taking some of these things seriously and washing our hands and having social distancing, while we're doing that, how much more do we need to take it seriously when it comes to our invisible enemy who is not just taking lives, but taking our eternities? Friends, it's so important that we listen to God and that we're obedient to God and that we don't allow our enemy to keep messing with us. We need to have in the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We need to protect our hearts, protect our minds, have our shield of faith. We need to have all that ready to go, have the word of God ready to go and have the power of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that when we pray, when we pray for people for all sorts of requests on all sorts of occasions at all sorts of times, we have the power of God at our disposal. So friends, for the next seven days, will you take the challenge of putting on the armor of God every single day. Keep coming back to Ephesians chapter six and putting on the armor of God. But also, will you take the next seven days to pray for the people around us on all occasions, for all requests, for all of God's people? The challenge I have for you for the next seven days is we're going to be putting on our Instagram and our Facebook page, different prayer requests. And I want to encourage you to jump in and join us in our prayer together. I would encourage you to finish the sentence. We're going to start the sentence of the prayer request and you can finish it by adding a name, a phrase, a word, jump in and pray with us for all sorts of people, all different occasions, all different reasons. Will you pray for us for the next seven days that we can take this invisible enemy seriously and that we can prepare for battle, that God would prepare our hearts and our minds, that we would have defensive tactics as well as offensive tactics, and we would be able to defeat this enemy. Because quite frankly, friends, in the end, our adversary doesn't win. He's not going to win. Jesus wins. Love wins. God wins. But the enemy is going to do everything he can to mess with people while he can right now. God is a God of all comfort. And he wants to comfort you and he wants to comfort me and wants to comfort other, other people through you and me. But the enemy wants to have his voice louder than God's. Let's shut down the enemy's voice and let's truly go to God and say, okay, we're gonna use all these tactics you talk about. We're gonna listen to you, God. We're gonna set up ourselves to, for success to fight this invisible enemy. We're gonna put on the armor of God. We're gonna fight with God's word and we are going to come together and pray because in the power of Jesus' name, we can beat this invisible enemy together. So let's take a moment right now and pray together. God, we come to you right now and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that your word is like a double-edged sword that pierces even the hardest of hearts. So God, may you continue to provide us comfort. May you continue to provide other people comfort through us, through our actions, through our words. And God, as we continue to pursue you and be generous and trust in you, even in the middle of a pandemic, God, we pray that we are able to tune out 
and ignore all the lies and the deceit from our enemy, from the father of lies. God, you win in the war against him. May we not give him a foothold. May we not give him a listening ear. May we choose to listen to you instead. May we treat our invisible enemy as though he actually is our enemy. May we actually armor ourselves with the armor of God and may we fight with the word of God and may we come to you for the power of God through prayer. God, we trust you. We want to hear your voice. We want to listen to you and not the voice of our invisible enemy. We trust you, God. And we say these things in the power of Jesus' name. Amen.